right, let's go. All right, let's go. Okay, Luca, you're the guest today, so I'm quickly going to introduce you. Your name is Luca Pferdmenges, and you're a German juggler. And one of the things that I really find fascinating about you is that you are not only a juggler, but also someone that travels across the globe. So my first question is, if you had to describe your life in different phases, what kind of phase are we in right now? And how did you get to where you are today? So when, what was your life like before you started juggling? When did you um, find out about, you know, the whole idea of traveling and when did you make the decision to see every country in the world well hello everyone first of all thank you i'm very honored to be here on the best juggling podcast on every platform <laughs> and yeah it's true i'm traveling a lot right now um i'm currently in my travel phase i would say unfortunately i don't get to juggle much uh, while traveling but it all started by basically performing international shows I performed a lot with Jonglissimo as well internationally. And then at some point it shifted more towards full-time travel and less performing. And so right now I'm trying to visit every single country in the world, of which I'm missing 39 at the moment. So I'm trying to finish that goal of visiting every single country on the planet. How many have you got? 159. So I'm counting 195, which is the UN right. members plus server states. Okay, that's a lot of countries. And what was your life like before you started juggling? When were you first in introduced to juggling? So I learned juggling in primary school with a circus project. Um, okay. So there was just a circus project in our primary school for one week. And at the end, we had a show. It's one of those classic circus projects. And that's what got me into juggling in the first place. And it was really a lot of fun for me. So I just kept going. Did you learn to juggle and then took a break and didn't pick it back up again until you met Junglissimo or did you just always juggle uh, on and off on the side a little bit? So for the first two years after the project, I kind of, I was juggling three and four balls and just not really knowing what's possible. And then in 2014, I went to the Weyerwey, the winter Junglea weekend in uh, the Netherlands. Oh, okay. And I saw Stefan Branser there and he was the first seven club juggler that I ever saw live or on video probably. <laughs> And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And that's what really got me going then to get better in juggling and improve. And it gave me a lot of motivation. So from 2014 onwards, I was really pushing myself, trying to get better. And then some people started commenting on my YouTube videos. I was starting to, to film some YouTube videos and people like Christian Hauschild commented like, oh, you're so good already. Keep going. And these, these things really motivated me. So what was the first year that you um, ever went to like a bigger convention or saw a well, like some other well-known jugglers? That must have been 2015 then. So in 2014, I went to a bunch of other conventions still. I performed in noise at the noise juggling convention. It was my first full convention, like, Uh, where I actually stayed for several days. And then in 2015, I also went to the EJC and several other conventions like the Dutch Juggling Festival. How old were great. you in 20, uh, 2015 in Italy? EJC? I was 13 then. Okay. But you were not uh, going with your parents. You went uh, by yourself. I went with a lot, <laughs> like, with, with some jugglers from Mönchengladbach. Yeah, but I okay. basically went on my own. Does Mönchengladbach have a big juggling scene or is it more of a smaller kind of a group? 
We actually do have a juggling meeting here twice a week, but it's not really technical jugglers. Okay. And when were you, how did you uh, get in touch with Junglissimo? When did you decide to start passing and uh, start performing with them? How did that develop? Because I imagine that's a longer process. It definitely is. So the first time that I ever saw Junglissimo was in 2015 at the Dutch Juggling Festival at the NJF and um, the Netherlands Jonglea Festival. <laughs> and they performed in the gala, their nightlight show. And I was blown away. I was sitting in the in, I was sitting in the audience at that time and I was like, wow, this is insane. But I didn't have any contact with them. And then after that convention, I was actually chatting a bit online with Daniel from Junglissimo. And um, he was coming to the EJC then as well, obviously, in Brunnek, uh, where they also performed in the open stage. And we then passed a bit together, Daniel and me. And it was great fun. And thanks to Daniel, he really kept practicing with me for... <laughs> For basically a year, and like every at every juggling convention that we both went to, he was really enthusiastic about practicing with me, and that's what really got me better in passing as well. Yeah, me too. I practiced a lot of passing with him. Um, so, what was your what was the first time you were able to do? When were you first able to do ten clubs double double? Uh, you, the do same you remember, year. Do you remember the breakthrough moment, the breakthrough convention? Uh, yeah, it was in all the all the September conventions, so Karlsruhe, but Ems, all the German conventions in 2015. So the first time that we ever passed together was in August, um, and I, I did eight clubs, nine clubs for the first time in my life, and then September, October, I learned ten clubs, and then November ish, I started working on. 11 clubs and a bit of 12. How good were you solo at the time? Like balls and with balls um, and clubs? I had five clubs solid for sure. I was doing five club tricks, um, side swaps, learning five club back crosses a little bit, but wasn't great. Um, six clubs, I was just about learning. And I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was the first time you performed with them? What was the first uh, performance you did as a group together? Yeah, that was one year later, basically. In okay. October 2016, I believe, I had my first Junglissimo show. It was a light painting trio with Christoph, Manuel Mita's brother, and um, yeah, and Daniel was there as well. So it was my first ever Junglissimo performance in Austria. But you also did a lot of stuff, um, well, solo, without the group. You did some, I don't know exactly what they're called, but like talent shows across Germany, Austria as well. What kind of shows did you do? And you also did a YouTube collab with someone. So <laughs> what were all of those things? When, when did those things happen? How did, you, how did you get in touch with all those people or organizations? Well, I think we also shouldn't forget the duo show with Christian performed in Regensburg at the Juggling Convention. Oh, right, right. That was a jump start. <laughs> but no, solo. Yeah. <laughs> solo, I also did a lot. That's true. I performed in Super Kids. I reached the final of the talent show Super Kids in 2016. I have to interrupt you. That was like it my is true that I got, really big uh, show. That you got thanks to me in, in the, into the local uh, Bavarian newspaper, <laughs> I think. At the convention in Regensburg, uh, 20, let me think, 17? Can you repeat yourself? We were gone oh, yeah. for, for... I think, um, we, I think thanks to me, we got into the local newspaper at the uh, Regensburg convention <laughs> with, with eight I club remember, passing. I remember. <laughs> nice. All right, go on. So you, you did the talent shows, yeah? 
Yeah, I, I, I performed um, I performed in the show Super Kids. I reached the finale there, and then that obviously got a lot of media attention as well. So some people reached out to me. I started performing for Borussia Mönchengladbach, which some of you may know, the, the football team. And uh, I just yeah, I got a lot of solo performance requests as well, especially in my area here in Germany, Mönchengladbach, my city and around there. And um, yeah, then some months after that, I started performing with Junglissimo as well. And from that moment onwards, it was pretty clear that yeah, I want to pursue juggling and go more into that. I was still in school, obviously, at that time as well. Were you someone that liked school? I did. I do enjoy learning, and I always did enjoy learning. I never enjoyed homework, so my goal was kind of trying to um, learn as much as I can in school and learn all the subjects and never do my homework, essentially, <laughs> or basically pre-do it in school, like trying to be somewhat efficient with it so I have time for juggling. But then once it got really intense, I started becoming a little bit worse in school towards the end. But I was still always a very good student. Otherwise, I could not have performed on the side. Nice. So you got your priorities straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, juggling first and school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's still priorities straight, I would say. Uh, so anyways, and then you at some point uh, started to discover the uh, pleasurable activity of traveling. Uh, probably through juggling, I imagine, through uh, performing, traveling around, getting to the different venues. That's probably what pushed you to, apart from our performance together. Uh. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, one of my absolute highlights was performing with Jonglissimo at the Chinese Circus Festival in 2019. And when you perform at such a festival, you can basically say like, okay, I actually don't buy me the flight back to Germany, which I can obviously do, but instead maybe buy me a flight to Uzbekistan and then I keep traveling. And that's exactly what I did. And um, I really enjoyed those things of going on to smaller trips, um, traveling around a bit. And um, yeah, then at some point it shifted really more towards traveling. And then at some point when Corona hit, it was basically all the performances were canceled all of a sudden. And I was in South Africa at that time and I was thinking, well, what do I want my life to be like right now? And obviously traveling wasn't easy either, but it was certainly a bit easier than, than performing juggling at that time. So I was like, okay, maybe I should focus on traveling. And then I realized I could potentially become the youngest man to ever visit every country on the planet. And then I set this goal for myself. And since then, I've been focusing on achieving that goal. Do you know who the like currently the youngest person is to have done that or the youngest man or whatever the metric uh yeah so 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 the youngest person is actually a female is she's called lexi limitless and she visited every country in the world by age like 21 something nearly 22 uh so i definitely won't be able to beat her record um but for me it's special because i never left germany really as a kid my first flight was to the ejc 2017 in lublin poland and before that i had never really traveled internationally anywhere um and lexi limitless parents they literally have a travel agency so she has okay. visited 100 countries before she was like 15 or something crazy um so for me it's it's just about like it's not even about the record too much it's just about visiting every country and trying to um yeah 
see the world. I don't understand how you got to how this idea was planted in in, in your head of wanting to travel. Was there an idol or someone that motivated you? Someone that you thought, well, or was it just something you discovered by accident? I always had this interest in me. I always had this interest in me. So, um, in school, for example, a lot of my friends told me, oh, yeah, I went to Spain for vacation. I even went to New York. Or one girl went to Nepal. And I was like, wow, that sounds so cool. I want to see the world as well. And because I never really had that like international travel aspect as a kid, I feel like this is maybe what motivated me a bit more to go out a bit more extreme than when I had the possibility to. And um, I'm an absolute politics nerd and I love learning about like languages and, and geopolitics. It's it's really fascinating to me. Um, so I'm also someone who, once they commit to a goal, they really want to get it done fully. So it wasn't just enough to be like, okay, I want to visit 100 countries at some point in my life. No, I want to visit every single country and then move to the place that I like best. Basically, that was it's like juggling six clubs. You have to fully commit. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. Uh, what's what's your um, language count? How many do you speak and in what order? Like how well do you speak them? And when did you learn them? Can you talk a bit, a bit about all the languages that you would consider to be like on the list that are important or somehow useful depending on how well you speak them to the extent? Uh, yeah, it really depends on what you classify as speaking mm. a language really in order well, that's what I'm saying, to like, as long as it's somehow useful, I would like to know something about it. Like, even if you just know a couple of phrases in a language, I would still put yeah. that on the list, you know? So an, so an order of proficiency must be German, um, English, probably Spanish, Hebrew, French. Um, then I learned a bit of Indonesian as well. I finished the Duolingo tree to gold. <laughs> It's a very simple language. It's like the easiest natural language in the world. It's like building Legos. You have no grammar. Um, so it's oh, quite really? easy to do. So Malay Indonesian is quite straightforward. Then I'm learning Mandarin right now, but it's, it's a pain with all the tones, <laughs> etc. Um, so that's quite difficult. I've, I've, I have learned some Arabic in the past, but it's also very difficult because you have all those different dialects and if you learn a Lebanese dialect, you go to the I Gulf saw a area. Video where, you said, where you were using the word um, for toilet, toilet paper in Arabic. Was, it, was there a video? Warak al Hamam. And what's your what languages are your favorite out of all of those? For and for what reason? Or do you even have a favorite? Sound wise, it must be Spanish. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Learning-wise, I really enjoyed learning Hebrew because I did have a lot of motivation there. And the language system is just very different. Like you have a language that you read from right to left. You have the the root structure, so you basically verb. have okay. three consonants, and you just add in vowels to to create different meanings, which is a fascinating concept. So obviously, once you learn Hebrew or once you have learned some Hebrew, it's also easier to learn other um, Semitic languages like. Uh, yeah, Arabic, for example, uh, makes makes it easier for sure. But that Are doesn't there, make... Arabic. So, so would your <laughs> next goal be to just get better at Chinese, Mandarin, and Arabic? Is that what you're mainly focused on? or Probably mainly Chinese. Yeah, I'm, I'm really keen on being able to, to communicate in Chinese at some point because I think it's one of those languages that are really emerging right now and it's... Uh, from every perspective, it's probably a good asset to have. 
in your life to be able right. to speak Chinese. So a lot of language learning and how do you still have like when you're traveling a structured day or is every day kind of uh, just randomly comes together and you just do whatever uh, feels right at the time or whatever? Um, do you ever go to a country and have a very specific plan, like a return ticket booked already? Or how does that how does that work? I'm usually quite spontaneous, but obviously because I live off social media, it needs to be somewhat structured, right? So I can't just go to a country and be like, okay, today I'm just chilling out on the couch doing nothing. And I actually need to be somewhat productive and film content, create videos, because that's in the end what finances me as well at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I do a lot of little side things on the side as well. I try to optimize my time while I'm waiting and I can't do juggling really when I'm traveling. But for example, I do some MOOCs, some like uni courses. Um, I recently did one about linguistics, which I really enjoyed. And um, there's a lot of things that you can do while What traveling. What kind of course is that? Does it involve an exam or do you, do you pay for it? Do, do you like know, an online do you know, college or? Yeah. Do you know MOOC courses? No, like I I've never heard of Open it. enrollment courses. It's basically okay. like a short uni program that you do for like six weeks, eight weeks or something. And it's basically just, yeah, you learn with, you have different modules that you learn with, with, with videos and texts and then, yeah, in the end you can take a, a, a quiz and take a, like get a certificate basically. Okay. And I did the, open enrollment course for introduction and, and it was called I think an introduction to comparative Indo-European linguistics and it was very fun okay yeah. so you, you're just collecting um, certificates on the side as well basically no, it's, it's, it's quite but it makes sense because you have probably some time to kill in between events sometimes and then some days are busier some some days are probably less busy Exactly. It's a lot of planning as well. Like visiting every country, you really need to plan a lot. Like a lot of my time at home or even while traveling is yeah, spent on applying for visas or <laughs> trying to book flights or bus tickets or trying to figure out the best way to go from A to B, finding accommodations, con reaching out to people. There's so much planning involved. It's basically a full-time job. Is really. it also tiring? Do you sometimes like getting back home and just having like a week or two just uh not traveling or is or do you never get tired uh from traveling absolutely absolutely and i'm actually in fact very much looking forward to once i have finished that goal like i'm enjoying it don't get me wrong i'm really enjoying visiting every country but yeah it gets tiring absolutely and i really want to have a base again somewhere because i'm officially living with my parents right now and i'm like never here um, so I'm really looking forward to, yeah, making myself a home somewhere, a base, a place that I can call home, getting back more into juggling as well, right? I, I really missed that juggling practice. I was at the cultural convention last week. It was great. Um, and whenever I go to a juggling convention, it shows me, wow, I'm missing that aspect of my life so much. I really want to get Just the practice aspect, just the, yeah. just the idea of being juggling, like being in the gym, practicing. Exactly. Being oh, able no. to... Okay. And, and practicing getting better having other goals as well besides traveling do you after being done like uh, having after having say checked off that goal do you see yourself as a juggler or do you see yourself as someone that you know using all the certificates you've collected uh, or you're gonna have collected at that point in the future 
uh, applying for jobs or do, or do what what is the do you already have an idea from all the traveling um, of what you're what you want to be not that you're not something or someone now but it, does that idea change It's a really good question. So my jokey answer when people ask me, what will you do afterwards is always, oh, I'm going to move to my favorite place and start a million dollar business. And I did not rule that option out, but I was also considering potentially studying something, which is slightly difficult because I haven't actually finished my German Abitur. I moved to Austria before I finished because uh, I wanted to get into juggling. Oh, so, so I don't haven't, have... you never actually gra graduated. I never graduated. No, I basically dropped out of school in, <laughs> in my 11th I grade. You could, you would be one of the people that could probably do it in like a year. Just redo all the classes necessary. I probably could if I really wanted to. And I'll, I'll see what it's, what it's like, like doing some more of those like uni courses, those MOOC courses, potentially studying something like linguistics is something that interests me, but it's, somewhat of a useless skill to have like even though it's really fun for me it doesn't really have that many real life appliances yeah, so. unless you want to work on academic paper writing or I, exactly. I don't, yeah unless you want to do research in the area everything else is probably yeah it's, it's a very narrowed down topic to get into but yeah potentially juggling as well so i do want to at some point create a startup and uh some sort of business um that goes beyond my performing business as well but uh, i definitely also really love performing so why not get back into it a bit more i plan um, to indeed with junglissimo or by yourself by myself and junglissimo i i actually i had a performance last week with junglissimo so i still do that on the side as well okay what would you say is your greatest achievement or what are some of the greatest achievements Because I always feel like, oh, learning to juggle seven balls was one of my, like personally, one of my favorite uh, or greatest achievements or learning, I don't know, six clubs, things like that, you know, or back crosses with five. Uh, what would you say personally, not just uh, as far as juggling is concerned, but everything? How do those? Um, that's a really good question. So juggling wise, it would probably be seven club back crosses because that was kind of the trick that I always aspired for. And even though I only did seven catches before the back cross flash, I am still very proud of it because it's a difficult one. Um, six clubs, unfortunately, I haven't reached yet, so I can't claim uh, six, six clubs was a. I can't claim six clubs was a great achievement because <laughs> it's not there yet. But um, now, overall, in my life, I'm quite like proud of myself that I commit to goals and go th through with them, follow through with them. Because now, for example, with the traveling as well, of course, it gets painful. There's so many countries that you don't have to visit unless you have this goal of trying to visit every country in the world. And it doesn't get easy. It doesn't get easier either, right? So the the closer you get to visiting every country, the more expensive it gets, and the more difficult potentially as well, the more dangerous. Once you throw in countries like Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, yeah, you need to be careful there as well. And um, yeah. I'm, Uh, I think that's my biggest achievement, kind of the, the mindset of following through with things. Because uh, I set this goal for myself and I'm committing. And then obviously once I've finished visiting every country, that will probably be my biggest achievement in my life so far. Because right. how many people have visited every country? About 260, I think. So like four times as many people have been to space than been to every country. So that's definitely something quite rare. 
So you can sort of, uh, once you're done with that, get, get back to six clubs. <laughs> exactly. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Oh, and also, um, I got really inspired, obviously, by Luke Burridge. You probably have seen it. Uh, the juggling in every country in the world. That's like my heart project. Right, I really How want many to did focus. he do? Um, he has juggled in over 100 countries. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So he's oh, not he trying did, to visit every but country. probably from doing cruise ships, right, as well? like Exactly. Yeah. A lot of it is cruise gigs, I think. Um, but I got really inspired by Luke Burridge, and I want to kind of become the first person to juggle in every country and upload the video, juggling in every country in the world. Uh, that's like my, my vision, basically. All right. So that's a lot of uh, things to work on, but I think it also keeps life exciting. Do you have any other hobbies or interests, things that uh, keep you, not keep you up at night, but things that keep you busy during the day, apart from traveling, juggling, learning, taking random courses, getting certificates, things like that? So what I'm working on right now is Connect Circus, which I created um, some years ago already for the juggling community and for the circus community, which is basically a tool where you can look up circus and juggling contacts around the world, right? So you have a website, uh, connect-circus.com, and um, you basically just have a contact list of people in all the different countries. And I created this website two years ago, something like that, uh, and it was really inefficiently done. And now I'm rebuilding it from scratch. So I'm trying to get more into programming, etc., and web development as well. And um, it's going to have a login function and you'll see like a map of all the circus contacts and then you can filter through. And it's in the process of being made right now, but it's going to be great, hopefully. So that's a big side project at the moment, building Connect Circus. You also did a book on uh, traveling cheaply. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on the English version there. It's only available in German right now, but uh, it's called Wille Kreisen. <laughs> will be called right. traveling deep or something similar and it's basically all about how you can travel on a budget because a lot of people always th ask me hey how are you so rich of being able to travel full-time basically when actually traveling full-time can be cheaper than living in a place full-time because you don't have to pay things like rent you don't have to um, you have a lot of expenses that you can cut And uh, that makes traveling very cheap. And, and there's a lot of things that you can learn as well about the subject. Would you say you were always, uh, I'm not going to say open-minded, I guess you probably always were kind of open-minded, but were you always as easygoing as um, uh, like talking to people without any fear, um, being, uh, I guess, just super interested in achieving and then also uh, pushing through? Or was there a time when, say, you were 13, 14, when that part of your personality started to develop more? Because I know there are a lot of people I, that are, like, super quiet when they first grow up. And then at 14, 15, 16 years old, they start to explore the world. Um, and uh, there's sort of a point in time or an event that's, like, the déclencheur for, for that uh, part of their <laughs> life. I, I like the, the French words throwing in. <laughs> I really love that. <laughs> um, I think it, it's basically a positive feedback loop, right? The more you achieve in your life, the more confident you get, and then the more you are likely, the, the more likely it is that you'll achieve even more. And I think with juggling, it's a great way to gain confidence, right? When I was at the juggling convention in 2014, and I saw Stefan Bransel, that was probably the key moment for me that triggered it. And then um, 
one year later, Wes Peden gave me like a little private work, a little private workshop at the convention in La, and that really boosts your confidence. Then you also don't want to disappoint someone like Wes Peden. It feels like, oh yeah, you need to you need to practice this trick, and then obviously you go home and what do you do? Of course, you practice the trick, and then gives you confidence and i think juggling is a great way to build up your confidence but i i think it's a mistake to be afraid of mistakes i think it's really important that people step out of their comfort zone to push through with their with their passion and with what they want because otherwise you'll never achieve anything right you need to start at some point and um, there's very little point in, in wasting your life and uh, because you're afraid of something i think i think you need to step out of your comfort zone and go for it what was your favorite EJC that you've that you've ever uh, that you ever went to? What would you say? Wow, oh, that's such a good question. I Which love did you all go, like uh, what were all the ones you went to? Uh, so I I went to every single one from twenty seven no twenty fifteen onwards. So Brunick was my first one, and then I didn't go to the Azores, but everything else I went to. Except um, okay. Um, I really enjoyed Brunick because it was my first one. It was very new. And obviously I met Daniel there and a lot of other people. It was great. Um, I also really enjoyed uh, Spain other than the toilet situation. Uh, that was awful. I remember there was this one cleaner who I... And that was the funniest moment I've had in my life, I think. Uh, there was uh, this, this uh, poor cleaner who had to clean the toilets and she came into the gym and uh, she was really furious for a reason, obviously, because she just had to clean all the mess. And then she was looking at us and there was some trash on the floor, which wasn't even ours. But she looked at us and she was like, cerdos. And she was so angry with us, which I understand, but it wasn't our trash at that time. So, um, no, that was ridiculously funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, the toilet situation was awful. But other than that, I quite enjoyed Spain because I like Spain overall a lot. Um yeah, I mean, Lublin does a great job organizing. Probably organization-wise, Lublin is always top-notch. Yeah, if you just want a convention without ha having to think about anything, everything just working, that's probably your go-to, right? Especially yeah, probably if you want to introduce someone to the event, that's probably one you should go to first. To just be like, okay, yeah, you just yeah, you get you your... Yeah, you probably shouldn't go your, to uh, Spain and, and get a shock <laughs> with the toilets. Yeah. <laughs> No, but overall, I have so much respect for anyone organizing an EJC. It's insane. So all of I them are your favorite. Um, the weather was shit in England, so I'd probably go with maybe Spain. Okay, oh, well, so maybe. But, that, but then the, I'm not sure. Well, Lublin was great as well. It's such a difficult one. Did you ever and go to an IJ? Huh? Did you ever go to an IJ? Never went to the IJ. Okay, no. okay. Never been. Okay, let's see. Do I have any other questions? Would you say you have talent, or do you have, would you say you have talent, or just uh, do you have a talent uh, uh, specifically, or would you say I don't really talent is I overused? Don't, or I don't really believe in the concept of talent too much. I think it's mainly getting um, into the right rhythm. So I, I think I, I, I like. I think it's about the methods that you have in order to learn. So I. I'm okay with arguing that there's a talent for learning, for example, or for having the right mindset or the right flexibility. Obvi obviously, there's a lot of luck involved as well that you grow up in a family Just wait where a you can of afford to. Recommend a book. Yeah, of course. So there is the mindset, mindset. <laughs> which is well known 
uh, it's by uh, Dr. Carol Dweck. And then, of course, um, we right. also have... We also have, of course, the Algebra of Happiness. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, by, by Scott the... Galloway. Uh, notes on the Pursuit of Success, Love, and Meaning. So those two books I'm just going to recommend. <laughs> okay. So you were saying... Yeah, I, I don't believe too much in the idea of talent. I think it's ma it mainly comes down to practice and being smart at your practice. And I guess some people you could call naturals as as in being effective and efficient learners. So maybe that's a talent. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think especially when it comes to juggling, it's mainly how you practice and uh, don't think it has that much to do with talent. Obviously, there's a lot of luck involved as well, like just growing up in a family or in an area where you can afford to practice three hours a day. Yeah, sure, but that's, that, that's sort of the privilege you grow up exactly. with or you don't. That's like, the, that's like your zip code, point. right? It needs to be fulfilled. Yeah, it needs to, yeah, yeah. It needs to be there. It needs to be there. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be at a disadvantage, a significant disadvantage. Exactly. Uh, but in terms of uh, the methodology or, or, or the different methods you use, the different strategies, did that change over time? Because I, I imagine that when you started out, you weren't taught uh, to juggle by someone that was uh, like like Thomas Dietz, right? That's true. That's you were true. Probably taught by someone that was more like uh, Conrad the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very competitive person, so from the very beginning, I was always trying to push the limits and uh, go through. And reading Lido Ditma's book, uh, Fast uh -huh. Juggling Success. I, I can really recommend it, by the way. I basically saw, okay, a lot of, not everything by no means, but a lot of the things that he recommends, I was already doing at that time, which is basically always in every single practice, trying to go beyond what you're currently capable of doing, right? Always trying to push for new tricks because once you start pushing bigger tricks of the same sort, your tricks with fewer amounts of objects, for example, will become better automatically. So like try nine to get better at seven or... For example, yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the, the idea and that's what I've been, what I have always done basically in juggling and I think that just comes down to my personality as someone who's quite competitive. I love endurances. I love competing against other people and all sorts of like juggling um, tricks and competitions. Um, yeah, and that's, that's quite a personal thing then as well. But yeah, I think, I think that book with the title, the aforementioned title you just you just uh, talked about, fat with a poetic title, fast juggling success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think yeah. it talks about. He starts out explaining how he was always the one at circus school getting laughed at by the other yeah. jugglers, right? So and um, he always felt sore, uh, like sorry for himself and everything, until he started to realize that he just didn't have a. A feel for what good practice structure is like so he just started taking notes on what everyone else was doing and then started to imitate what they were doing and that way uh sort of uh, uh yeah started to develop his own methods and that really worked well for him correct yeah and that that could be another argument well talent isn't really a thing it's more about the methodology how you approach things and how right. you practice yeah. I think I heard the same thing about Simone Biles. Uh, I think I read somewhere in an interview that the difference between how they tr train or practice versus a lot of the other nations is 
that before their gymnastics practice, they like ride their bikes. Uh, they swim, they run, they do like all different kinds of cardiovascular training before they first step on like the beam. And then she was wow. like, the first time I did that, I thought I was going to drown. And then when they're like really shaky, that's when they fir- when they go on the equipment and start uh, like doing their gymnastics stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's I think crazy. we should try that with juggling. Maybe that works. <laughs> that's a very interesting concept but uh, yeah for everyone here who doesn't know it but christian is a huge fan of gymnastics yes i am more than juggling maybe no maybe not but um i think they're what i like about the two these two sports is that it's just one person against gravity or against themselves and there's no excuses if you mess up it's your fault it's not your teammates fault and if you're doing good it's not necessary it's always you that did it it's never oh it could have been a teammate that played really well that day you know that the worst sports or like soccer where the two opposing teams mix on the field the second worst would be uh team sports where the teams are separated so those i kind of find okay to do myself like volleyball you know where you don't run the risk of like like bumping into like an opponent on the field because they're like separated. Um, right. But my favorite kind of sport is where it's just one person basically performing something, uh, showing off, even calisthenics or all those kinds of things where it's just one person having a skill or not having a skill. Are you into darts at all? Um, I haven't watched it too much. I'm really trying to get good at darts at the moment. (laughs) But it's funny, you know, everybody thinks jugglers are good at throwing things, but that only holds true for, like, the the, the vertical. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas for the horizontal, it doesn't seem to be the case. Like, I keep missing. So I think it's just something, like, an extra skill you would have to acquire. Right. What When you travel, I'm going to go back to traveling for just one second. Do you travel, do you prefer traveling alone or with somebody else? And is there ever a time that you feel like you're lonely or does that not bother you? I way prefer traveling with people. It's so much more fun. Um, you're also more flexible. It's cheap. No, not necessarily more flexible, but you have more options. You get in touch with people more usually. Um, Cause once you have two people on the trip, you're more likely to be confident and go out, approach people like other groups, for example. Um, I always prefer traveling with people, but once you go to countries like Afghanistan or Yemen, clearly not a lot of people are motivated to come. But you also need so, more water, more food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, overall it's cheaper though, traveling. Um, yeah, overall, overall it's cheaper Especially traveling. with accommodation, probably. Exactly. You share accommodations, you share taxis. Um, but yeah, a lot of those places, uh, people are not really motivated to travel to with me. So I end up alone a lot of the times, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah, I do start to feel lonely for sure. Um, I'm quite busy as well. Obviously, you also always meet people. I try to reach out to people as much as I can. Um, but yeah, occasionally I do get lonely traveling. So if you want to come along or anyone, just let me know. Okay, I'm going to book the flight now. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe in the future. That sounds interesting. I, uh, it's something we definitely got to talk about. 
Already I have good. a lot of African countries left, so if you okay. want to come to the Central African Republic with me, let me know. Um, how do you get a lot? How, like, when is there ever? Um, I guess not. Not all countries. There's going to be people that speak English fluently or French. You know, French in a lot of Afri African countries is widespread. English is probably widespread, but there's uh, there tends to be local languages that are spoken as well. And I imagine there's people that speak nothing but uh, th those local languages. So what do you what do you do? It's difficult because obviously you can't learn a language in such a short time. Um, what usually helps Duolingo is yeah. Duolingo would like to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then <laughs> try to find. Uh, well, they they offer things like the Haitian rabbit cream. runs around the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I try to learn some words in the local language, like in the local languages, but it's never enough to obviously study a significant amount that you can communicate with people who don't speak any of the bigger languages, like. Arabic is a big one as well in, in like in the Sahel region you know, of Africa. Like if you go to Chad or Sudan, I think, or like Somalia, a lot of people know Arabic, so you can but kind then it's of. It's a get different dialect, that. right? Um, yeah, but as long as you speak somewhat <laughs> decently, like people usually understand. understand. Uh, especially if you speak modern standard Arabic, yeah, everyone. And it's hard, still hard to understand the answers, right? Like getting true. your point across That's is true. one thing, but uh, understanding the, the, the other person's uh, perspective, that's really difficult. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. The easiest is usually when, yeah, countries speak English, obviously, or French or Spanish. Even some in, um, in Africa speak Spanish. Uh, then you have countries like Mozambique, for example, or Guinea-Bissau, where people speak Portuguese or a Portuguese-based Creole, rather. And uh, then, obviously, I try to use my... My non-existent Portuguese and be like, oh, bon dia. <laughs> Have you met people yeah. uh, speaking um, Haitian Creole? Yeah, of course. I went to Haiti, in fact, with a friend of mine, and it's incredibly difficult to understand for me personally, as someone whose French definitely isn't great. Uh, yeah, but I saw great on Netflix show, and I think a lot of people in the U.S. speak it too. There's like uh, lots of families, you know, well, not lots, yeah. but definitely here and there. It is uh, common enough. Right. Yeah, a lot of people emigrated from, from Haiti to the United States. And when we were in Haiti, we also met a, a, a guy who formerly lived in the United States. And yeah, we were trying to do some street interviews in Port-au-Prince. And we were speaking French. And a lot of people were speaking Haitian Creole only, which was very difficult for us to understand. We had to look at the videos afterwards and try to decipher it. But it wasn't but at easy. least you can decipher it looking at it at like point yeah, seven five like once, you, once, yeah. you, once you try long enough it's it's possible it's possible so you just try to interpret it as french almost and then yeah <laughs> all right well thank you luca that was really 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 interesting and uh, i think that thank everybody's going to take something away from from this interview and uh, thank thank you so much for offering your time Thank Very you so much. much. It was an honor to be here. Can't and, wait to listen to ourselves. <laughs> and uh, I hope you don't take the comments on the six clubs too personally. No, 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 I don't. <laughs> I don't. But you're right. You're right. My six clubs suck and I need to work on them. 
That's the homework you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've actually been doing this exercise. Can you quickly share the exercise that you mentioned? Yeah, to the me? best exercise, I think, for six clubs is well, there's two, but I think the very best is to juggle three in one hand with triples and then turn to the other side. So when you're juggling three clubs with triples in your right hand, turn right at the same time, slowly, but try to turn in a circle. And then the same with the other side. So left hand, three clubs, turn left. And that way you're going to have to really swing all the way around and make sure that club is pointing uh, to the right hand side. So point it slightly out, right? So that's the best exercise ever. Because I think a lot of people have their six clubs down pretty well. And that's the only thing that's missing is just that little, like, two or three degrees that's messing everything up over time so if you just get it out slightly more you're not going to have any problems in the future so right. I think that's good <laughs> yeah I, i've been doing that a little bit as well when i when i practice uh, i mean i don't practice much right now but i do it because uh, you told me to do you think it's helpful as well for for four clubs learning four clubs um probably but i don't remember what that was like All right. <laughs> that's like remembering. You've been too what... good for too long. You don't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like remembering what it was like to learn to speak or to walk. That's too... <laughs> <laughs> such a long time ago. Yeah, it's just ago. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> again? All right. All right. Thank you so much, Luca. Thank you. Thank you.